The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Mark Lichtenfeld. He is the Associate Investment Director of the Oxford Club and the editor of the Ultimate Income Letter newsletter and also the author of a new book called Get Rich with Dividends, a proven system for earning double-digit returns. Welcome to the show, Mark. Hi, Jordan. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, let's just start with a little bit of your background before we get into the strategy you're talking about. What, what is your background leading you to uh, writing this book and uh, doing the newsletter? Well, I've done a little bit of everything uh, in the markets. I started off as an assistant on a trading desk in the uh, you know, the high pressure, high action world of trading uh, back uh, back in the '90s, and uh, eventually became a trader. Uh, spent a little bit of time as a business journalist uh, with TheStreet.com, and then was also a sell side analyst. So uh, I've done a little bit of everything, and uh, over the last five years, I've been with the Oxford Club. And the reason I wrote the book, you know, I've, I've kind of been involved with so many different aspects of the market, uh, most of it which involved trading and, and you know, really trying to, to kind of nail that perfect stock or that perfect trade. Uh, and it's a very difficult thing for most investors. And so what I found with, with dividend stocks in particular, it's, it's really investing the way I think, you know, many of our parents or even grandparents invested, which was really with an eye on the long term. Um, with, with not actively trading, not paying attention to every uptick and downtick in the market, not paying attention to every headline. It's really keeping your eye on, on the long term. And uh, I think that's something that a lot of people have forgotten about over the last, uh, you know, 10, 15 years, really since the dot-com boom. And so I really wanted to try to redirect people's focus uh, on, on how much money you really can make by investing conservatively uh, in dividend stocks and, and doing it for the long term. Before we get into the strategy in particular, let's kind of set up the situation we have. We have the baby boomers uh, that are now hitting 65. I think something like 10,000 a day uh, hit 65. So they're entering retirement now. Uh, are a lot of them in, in pretty good shape or mostly not in good shape as far as funding their retirement? Or kind of Give us a, a sense of the, the situation of all these people that are now entering retirement. Uh, no, it's a little scary out there. There have been all kinds of studies that show that, uh, and, and I can't remember the exact number, but there was a significant number uh, had less than $25,000 saved for retirement. I saw one statistic that said um, expects half of all retirees to run out of money before they uh, before the end of their lives. Uh, so, no, no. <laughs> people are not in good shape, uh, I think, is a generalization. And... Uh, you know, it's never too late to get started, especially with um, life expectancies going on so long. I just wrote uh, a column last week where somebody uh, mentioned to me, well, it's too late for me to, to be thinking about the long term. I'm 69 years old. 
But, you know, these days, if you make it to 65, the statistics say you have a better than 50% chance of living to 85, and uh, I think over a 30% chance of living to 90 if you're a woman and a little bit lower if you're a man. So at 69, you could still have 20 years left easily uh, to invest, and especially with, uh, you know, the advances in, in medicine and, and the healthcare industry. Uh, you know, being in, in your 60s uh, means you still need to think about long-term investing and, and making sure you have money in 15 or 20 years. So with the life expectancy getting longer, has the problem been that the baby boomers who are now entering retirement have been spending their whole lives and not really saving very much? I and mean, we've had the advent of the 401K and mutual funds and all kinds of ways that allow people to save and invest. You're just saying they haven't done enough of it. I think there hasn't been enough of it. You know, I, I think they're, they were kind of caught in, kind of in between, um, whereas, you know, the generation before them, many of them had pensions and, and kind of, uh, you know, defined benefits and, and, and they knew what, what, what their retirements were going to look like. And a lot of that got taken away for the baby boomers. You know, they, they may have started a company that had a pension and, uh, and then they got transferred to a 401k. And, uh, you know, life's expensive. It's, it's tough to put away that 10% uh, per paycheck or, or, you know, whatever number you decide to do. It, it's not always an easy thing, so some people put that off. Um, uh, you know, I think that's a, a very big part of it. Um, of course, uh, people got crushed in the stock market in the dot-com burst uh, when, that, when that bubble collapsed, and also in 2008, 2009. And unfortunately, not a lot of people uh, got back into the market if they took their money out in the last bear market. And, you know, the market is up over 100% since the lows in 2009. So you had an awful lot of people who sold at the wrong time, got out, got scared, uh, which is understandable. Uh, but then they missed, you know, a good chunk, if not all, of the ride back up where where they would have been made whole again and then some. And so I think, you know, really the, the market action, the volatility over the last 10 years uh, really hurt people significantly because they they tried to time the market and uh, you know tried to sit things out when things were rough and and missed getting back in when it got better. So I guess one of the things you're saying about your dividend strategy is it takes out some of the emotion. People panicked when things were down. When things were up, they get enthusiastic, but they're they're buying high and selling low, which isn't a good way to make money, I guess. So you're, you're saying by reinvesting dividends. Uh, on an automatic basis, you're not subject to as many emotional swings as you would be if you're trying to buy and sell. Exactly, and I mean, and certainly those emotions will still be there. Um, but if you're if you're in this automatic plan, you know, you're not having to pull the trigger and make these conscious decisions all the time uh, and thinking about the market. And in fact, you know, I make an argument that a bear market is your best friend when you're reinvesting the dividends, and the reason is. Because when you reinvest the dividends automatically, in case any of your listeners aren't familiar with it, what happens is instead of getting paid the dividend in cash, it's you automatically buy more stock. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything uh, usually if you're doing it through your broker. Uh, so it's just automatically buying more stock, which then generates more dividends, which then can be used to buy more stock, and, and it compounds and, and so on. It's a very powerful technique. But when the stock goes down... Uh, you know, keep in mind your stock price and your dividend have no correlation to each other. So if you're in the right stocks, particularly the ones that I call perpetual dividend raisers, companies that are raising the dividend every year, you're getting paid more and more money every year per share, no matter what the stock price is doing. So if the stock price goes down, but you're getting paid more money and buying more shares, uh, you can uh, accumulate a significant amount of shares in a pretty short period of time, especially if it's, if it's a nasty bear market. And then when things go back up, 
uh, you have a lot more shares than you would have if the price had stayed the same or, or even had been in a bull market. So it can be a very powerful tool for accumulating a lot of shares, which can then, uh, you know, you can then sell some at some point to fund your retirement, or hopefully then uh, you have a big enough nest egg where it's just generating a tremendous amount of income for you, and you, and you don't even have to sell because it's generating so much income. So one of the, your principles, I guess, is what, what's generally called yield on cost. You, you uh, have a cost for a stock, and then 10 years later, after you've reinvested many dividends, and they're raising their dividends all the time, the yield on what you originally paid is much higher than what it would have started. It might have started relatively low level, but if they keep raising their dividend, that your yield on what your original cost is is much higher. Is that part of your strategy? Exactly. And and, and the strategy is to be able to generate a double-digit yield within 10 years, and either through a dividend reinvestment, which in which case it, it will happen sooner. Uh, but even if you need the income today, as long as you're in the right stocks that are raising that dividend every single year, uh, then the goal is to, to get to an 11% yield within 10 years. And uh, it can be done. I mean, you have to be in the right stocks, and um, you need some good dividend growth, uh, but it definitely can be done. And so, yeah, that, that's absolutely the point is, is you, you make that one-time investment, and then as the dividends continue to go higher, you're generating a, a very significant yield. So what are you looking for in the companies? that people should buy that you talk about and get rich with dividends or the ultimate income investment newsletter. Um, what are the criteria for stocks that raise their dividends on a perpetual basis? Well, I want a significant amount of dividend growth. So I, I don't want a company that's, that's raising it by, you know, a, a percent or two a year. Uh, I want a track record of, of, of significant dividend raises, preferably double digit, you know, 10%. Uh, that's not always, uh, easy to find, so you know I'll consider eight percent, nine percent, but a, a significant track record of, of raising the dividend uh, by a good amount every year. Uh, preferably, I'd like at least a ten-year history. I will go to five in in some situations, um, but I want at least ten years. And 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 there are, are a lot of companies out there that have twenty, twenty-five, thirty-year dividend uh, raising histories. Uh, genuine parts. Uh, one of my favorite names, and they've been raising their dividend for 56 years in a row, uh, which is just an amazing statistic. You know, the last time they did not raise their dividend, Elvis Presley was making his television debut on the Louisiana Hayride. Uh, mm-hmm. So that, that was a long time ago. So uh, a significant track record of dividend raises, uh, but I also want to see a payout ratio below 75%. And a payout ratio is simply the percentage of net income that is paid out in dividends. And the reason you want it below 75% is because you want to make sure the company has enough cash uh, to continue to pay the dividend and raise it. And so I'll take that a step further. And besides for net income, I'll also look at cash flow from operations because cash flow is really where the company is, is generating the cash to pay the dividend. Um, and it's a very simple formula. All you do is you divide um, the uh, net income by the dividends paid and you get the uh, percentage, you want it to be below 75%. Um, you know, typically if, if, if it starts going higher than 75 and, and you know, it, it, it peaks up above 75, it gets to 76, I'm not going to immediately pull the plug on the investment, uh, but it, that will be a yellow flag and I'll start watching and if it continues to go higher, then I'll start to get concerned. Um, but as long as it's below 75%, I'm not going to worry too much if a company misses their earnings number or if earnings are going lower. Uh, you know, again, we're, we're 
in this for the long term or trying to find great companies that have these long-term track records of, of paying the dividend, of, of being around. Uh, we, you know, we're not trying to find the next Apple. We're, we're trying to find the current Coca-Cola or the current Intel or, you know, or current Johnson & Johnson, just great companies that have been doing this for a long time and have that track record. Is this in many different industries or the stocks you end up uh, recommending tend to be concentrated in particular industries? Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. Uh, my guest this hour is Mark Lichtenfeld. Uh, he is the uh, editor of the Ultimate Income Letter. Uh, he also works for the Oxford Club. And his new book is called Get Rich with Dividends. Uh, the website for his newsletter is oxfordclub.com. And there is a website for the book, which is getrichwithdividends.com. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and is the co-founder of BR Public Relations, who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to The Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Mark Lichtenfeld. Uh, he's the Associate Investment Director at the Oxford Club. He's the editor of the Ultimate Income Letter, a newsletter about income. And he uh, has a book out now called Get Rich with Dividends. Welcome back to the show, Mark. Thanks, Jordan. Uh, before we get into some of this more, just tell people the, the uh, websites where they can find out about uh, your book and your newsletters. Sure. Well, you can get more information on the book at www.getrichwithdividends.com and also uh, on the Ultimate Income Letter at www.oxfordclub.com. 
Very good. We were talking about the, the different sectors. Is there a particular or several sectors where the kind of perpetual dividend raisers that you're talking about tend to be concentrated? Um, no, they're really across a wide variety of sectors. Uh, you know, one thing I, I would caution if, if investors are looking primarily at yield today, which a lot of them are, you're going to find a lot of them uh, in MLPs, which are master limited partnerships that tend to be in the energy sector. Um, so, you know, you just want to make sure you don't get too heavily weighted in any one particular sector. But uh, in the portfolio that we run for the Ultimate Income Letter, which, which is a model portfolio, I should just be clear that we don't actually own the stocks, uh, but we're in a wide variety of sectors. We're in consumer stocks. We've got uh, a couple of healthcare stocks, some REITs, some MLPs, utilities, insurance. Uh, so it, it's really across a wide variety. You can find them uh, across all sectors, even including technology. Now, the overall strategy you have, and what you talk about in your book particularly, is what you call the 10, 11, 12 strategy. What does that mean, and what do you do to achieve the 10, 11, 12 strategy? Well, the idea is to achieve uh, 11% yields or 12% average annual total returns in, within 10 years. Uh, so the way that we do that is the 11% yield is, uh, is when you're collecting the income today. You're not reinvesting the dividends. But the 12% average annual total returns is a dividend reinvestment strategy. And so uh, we make certain assumptions about where the market, uh, how the market is going to perform. Uh, so if we take the average uh, performance of the stock market uh, over the last 50 years, which is 7.48% a year, and we can then plug into our, uh, into our model, which, by the way, you can find that on getrichwithdividends.com also, so you can kind of plug in your own things. Uh, your own numbers if you find a stock you're interested in. Um, but so we, we put in the starting yield and the annual dividend growth and what we think the stock market is going to do, which, again, the assumption is about 7.5%. Uh, and then we can see uh, what, the, what the stock theoretically should do within you know, five years, 10 years. Um, and so, the, again, the goal is 11% yield within 10 years. If we're reinvesting the dividends, then the goal is to get 12% average annual total returns over those 10 years. And just to give you an idea of what 12% per year can do for you, it, it, it's very significant. If you start off with a portfolio of $100,000 uh, and earned 12% a year, I mean, you're going to have over $300,000 at the end of 10 years. So it's, it's significant. You know, 12% doesn't sound like that much, but if you're doing that year in, year out, and it's compounding, it's very significant. The, the compounding effect is probably more than people think because you're, you're buying more shares, it's producing more dividends that are ra raising, and that compounding effect really has a big part of the impact there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's astonishing what it does. And, and it's, it's kind of like a, a train leaving the station. It, it takes a little while to get going. So you're, you're not going to be blown away the first few years. But as you get start getting to year eight, year nine, ten, uh, the numbers just compound at, at such a fast rate. It, it's really incredible to watch. And, and when you kind of lay it all out in a spreadsheet and you see how quickly the numbers start to grow. And then, you know, just because we're talking ten years doesn't mean you have to then stop at ten years. If you can, if you can make it go longer, uh, you know, those numbers compound at a, at a faster and faster rate the longer you can go. So, you know, I mentioned uh, you have over $300,000 after 10 years. If you start with $100,000, after 20 years, you'll have over a million dollars. So, you know, that, that, that adds up very, very quickly the longer you can go. So that's why it's, it's, I think it's such a, a key component of getting wealthy in the market 
uh, without really having to do a whole lot of work. And that's the other nice thing about this. It's really, um, you know, once you kind of settle on your stocks, you, you know, you certainly want to check in with them from time to time, but you're, you're not agonizing over every uptick and every word that Bernanke says or anybody else. So let's talk about taxes for a minute here. Uh, currently, dividends are being taxed at a very favorable rate of 15%. Uh, anything could change, but as of right now, the law is that the rate of dividends is going to go up to regular income rates starting January 1st. Uh, what would be the impact of that if that, in fact, does happen on uh, dividend-oriented stocks? Well, it would certainly have an impact. There's, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, I've, I've looked at a lot of numbers and, and thought a lot about this. The problem is there's really nowhere else to go right now where you'll do any better. Uh, so even if you, know, you end up paying, if you're in the top income tax rate, you'll end up paying over 40% on your dividends. But if you're in it for the long term, you know, your alternatives are bonds, which uh, you know, bond rates are so low right now. And bonds are going to be taxed as well unless you're in a muni. Uh, but the problem with bonds is that the, um, the payment that you receive the interest that you receive every year is stagnant, right? That's not going to go up. It's going to stay the same. So if you're getting 4% on a bond, even if it's a muni, even if it's tax-free, which 4% is, would be a pretty strong rate right now, but even if you're getting that 4% tax-free in five years, you're still getting 4%. In 10 years, you're still getting 4%. Whereas if you're, you buy a dividend stock uh, that's paying 4% yield with an average annual dividend growth rate of 10%, in five years, you're going to be up to 6%. In 10 years, you'll be up over 9%. So, you know, as inflation uh, takes its toll, and, and even if it's a low inflation rate like we have today, uh, it still takes its toll for sure. You know, it's at 2.5% in 10 years, you need about uh, over 25% uh, more buying more money to buy the same goods and services. So it's, it's significant. Um, and so the bonds just won't get you there. Bonds actually will destroy your buying power over time, over the long haul, because... They At current rates, because payments. the rates are so low on bonds. Would you recommend staying away from bonds completely as part of your portfolio, or are there, there are some bonds or bond funds that you'd like? I mean, if you can find some, some good bonds that are trading at a discount, um, then I would consider them. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I don't think you want to have zero bonds in your portfolio, um, even for the long term, but I'm, I'm not a... a, a I don't love bonds here right now. You know, I, I would keep it kind of small. I mean, if, if any money that you, you need in the very near term, you know, there's nothing wrong with owning some treasuries, even though you're barely going to get paid anything on them, but at least that money is secure. But for your long-term money, I really uh, I really don't love bonds, and I, I wouldn't put a whole lot of money into them. I, I would rather be in, in the dividend stocks. In addition to uh, individual stocks, uh, do you like doing exchange-traded funds or – uh, close them uh, funds or other ways of getting into stocks? You know, I really don't, not not for the dividend strategy. I mean, if we're, if we're just talking about some other kind of investing, you know, whether it's sector-related or, or something else, uh, then possibly, but not for dividends. And the reason why is even though there are funds and there are ETFs that uh, that buy stocks that have the dividend growth component to them, these funds and these ETFs do not have the track record that the individual stocks have. So, for example, there's an ETF that's based on dividend achievers, which are stocks that have raised their dividend every 10 years. It's based on the dividend achievers index, but their dividend actually went down in 2009. Uh, so, whereas there are plenty of stocks, even though, you know, 2008, 2009 were just horrible years in the economy, 
there are still several hundred stocks out there that continued to raise their dividend during those periods. So I'd rather personally have a, a well-rounded portfolio of individual stocks that have raised the dividend year after year rather than an ETF or a fund. Now, uh, we've had some pretty big volatility the last few years. We had a big downer, of course, in uh, 2008 and 2009, and then a huge comeback. Some would argue that the dividend-oriented stocks are wildly overvalued today because everybody's searching for yield and been pushing up the prices of high-yield stocks and MLPs, and therefore this time is going to be different. It will, will be a disaster to get into these things at such high prices the next time the market turns down. How do you respond to that? Well, I don't think so at all because, first of all, the overall market isn't even that expensive. Right now it's trading right about its historical average of uh, a P of 15. Uh, and if you look at some of the, the big dividend payers, uh, same thing. They're not expensive at all. I mean, Intel is, is dirt cheap right now. Bristol-Myers is at a 16 PE. Um, Johnson & Johnson is at a little bit more expensive at 22. But for the most part, they're not that expensive. The other thing I would say is that I wouldn't get so hung up on price. And, you know, first of all, as we mentioned, so many investors did not get in on the stock market rebound, and now they're very hesitant to get in. In fact, there's over $1.3 billion of outflows in equity funds in September. Um, so this is still not a very well-respected bull market. People are still very scared. But the reason I say don't get hung up on price is because uh, they did a study where I looked at 10-year periods. And starting in from the first period that we looked at was 1927 to 1937. And 91% of the time, you made money in stocks over 10 years. The only 10-year periods you did not make money in were periods associated with the Great Depression and the 10-year periods ending 2008, 2009, which were the Great Recession. So it really took historic economic collapse to not make money in the stock market over 10 years. And no matter where prices were, no matter what was going on in the world, uh, and that includes you know getting in the market in 2000 during the dot-com boom, right at the top, and, and ending it in 2010 after things had collapsed in 2008, just started to rebound. So historically, very, very good chance of making money in the stock market, and dividend stocks tend to outperform uh, the S&P 500, which is what that study was based on. Uh, they tend to outperform uh, the S&P over long periods of time and, and have a lot less volatility. Are you concerned about the current uh, policy, particularly the Federal Reserve, uh, quantitative easing, what I call QEI, quantitative easing to infinity, uh, that's going to eventually uh, lead to inflation um, and and uh, therefore hurt the value of the currency and, and hurt the stock market? Um, yes and no. Yes, I am, because everything you said makes a lot of sense, and, and theoretically that should be what happens. Uh, but like I said, you know, looking at these 10-year periods of the stock market over time, um, you know, I'm, I'm never someone who says this time it's different. It's always been different. There's always significant problems in the country, and, and I don't mean to minimize the problems we're facing. They're real. The deficit is is a serious problem. It needs to be addressed. But we've very serious problems. You know, in the 1940s, uh, 1941, we were attacked uh, on our own soil for the first time in in uh, over a hundred years. Uh, during the Carter administration, we had runaway inflation and energy shortages. Uh, so there's always been some very serious problems that the United States, the world has faced. Yet, over the long term, stocks go up. And so, uh, 
I am concerned about all the things going on today, but looking out 10 years from now, I, I believe that the best investment would be in the stock market, and you'll come out way ahead over anything else. Particularly cash where you earned zero today, and as you Absolutely. say, there's some inflation. And, and, and that includes bonds, too, as, as, you know, as we discussed earlier. Yeah, very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. Uh, my guest this hour is Mark Lichtenfeld. Uh, he is the uh, editor of the Ultimate Income Letter. Uh, he also works for the Oxford Club, and his new book is called Get Rich with Dividends. Uh, the website for his newsletter is oxfordclub.com, and there is a website for the book, which is getrichwithdividends.com. We'll be back after this. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Mark Lichtenfeld. Uh, he writes a newsletter called The Ultimate Income Letter. Uh, he's done a new book called Get Rich with Dividends. Uh, he also is the author of a newsletter called Wealthy Retirement. Welcome back to the show, Mark. Great to be with you, Jordan. Thanks for having me. Uh, tell people how they can get the Wealthy Retirement newsletter as well. Sure. Well, you can uh, just go to www.wealthyretirement.com, and it's a free e-letter. So uh, you can go to the website or uh, sign up, and we'll send it to you uh, every every time a new issue comes out. And how is that different from what's in the Ultimate Income Letter? Well, the Ultimate Income Letter, we have very specific stock picks and recommendations that we follow. Um, and so that's a, a subscription service, and we have a, a portfolio that we update and uh, get new recommendations to. Wealthy Retirement isn't so much a specific stock recommendation. It's more uh, advice on retirement, how to, how to build a, a wealthy retirement, um, and things you need to do to prepare for it, to get the most out of it. Uh, but we do not have the specific stock recommendations. It's more of a, a strategy 
type letter than as opposed to specific recommendations. All right, so let's get practical here. Say you want to get into some of these stocks. What is the best way to set it up? Should you go to the company's direct? Because if you have to enroll in a dividend reinvestment plan, you have to do it with the company directly somehow. Or should you go to a service that does this for you? Or what's the practical way to set up a whole bunch of dividend reinvestment plans? Well, most most brokers will do it for you, and they'll do it for you for free. Um, so when you buy the stock, you just instruct them to reinvest the dividends. And what I like about that, besides for it being free, uh, is that you have all of your all of your information, your whole portfolio in one place. Um, whereas you can do it through the individual companies, but very often they charge fees uh, to get it set up. They charge you a commission to make the the purchase or the sale. Um, and then you have to keep track of, let's say, 10, 20 different plans, which can be a real pain in the neck. Uh, so I, I always prefer the brokers. The one time I would consider doing it directly with a company is when the company offers a discount. Now, there's not too many of them that do, but there are a few companies out there that will offer a 5% discount on a dividend reinvestment. Now, sometimes you still have to pay a fee to get it set up, so you have to kind of calculate the numbers to see if it works. Um, for example, one company I know that still has a discount is Aqua America, uh, symbol is WTR. They're a water utility, and they have a 5% discount when you reinvest the dividends. Uh, but that's that's pretty rare. They're, they're pretty hard to find. Uh, so assuming that you're not getting a discount, I would just uh, do it through your broker. You know, Just confirm with, with your broker that they do it, and they do it for free. Most of them do. Um, but assuming that they do, that's the easiest and, and least expensive way to do it. And, and the great thing about it is, you know, again, you're not paying any commission. So you, you buy the stock once, you, you obviously you pay your commission there. And then if you're reinvesting the dividends over years, you know, you could end up with hundreds of more shares, thousands of more shares, depending on the situation, and you won't have paid anything for any of those trades. Uh, so it, it's just a great, uh, very cost-effective way of, of building your portfolio. Just to be clear on the discount, so if you had, say, with Aqua America, $100 in dividends and you reinvested it, you get $105 worth of shares, and so that's compounding even more. Is that the way it works? Yeah, so, uh, you know, exactly. So if Aqua America is trading at uh, just about $25 today, so you would pay, uh, what's 5% of that, I guess, um, 24 50-ish, uh, whatever that number is. I don't have the calculator yeah. here. But that's what, you know, you would, you would buy the shares at a discount. So you would, you would be getting more, more shares for your dollars. Are there other companies in addition to Aqua that uh, offer discounts that you would like? Um, Aqua America is only one that that we currently recommend. There are some others out there. Uh, I don't have the list in front of me, but um, you, you, basically, if you go to any company that you're interested in, uh, if you go to their website and their investor relations section, uh, they should have a section on dividends, and it'll let you know if they have a discount. But they're, they're like I said, there aren't too many. That do it's 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 pretty rare these days. What what is the minimum dividend yield that you like to start a company? I mean, over time the yield is going to grow as the compounding happens. But do you start with a stock of three percent or four percent? What is the kind of minimum threshold you have to get started in the stock? Are you going to use the strategy? Um, I'd really like to see at least four percent. Uh, I will look at at some companies where it's a little bit under four percent if the dividend growth is very strong. So, for example, Intel, uh, right now their stock has fallen recently, so they're back up to 4%. But for a while, their dividend yield was 3.7, 3.8. Uh, 
but their dividend growth is so strong. They've been raising the dividend every year for 10 years, and the average growth rate was over 20%. Uh, even when things had slowed down, if you, like, over five years, it was 14% per year uh, average. You know, some years it might be 20, and some years it might be 10, but the average was 14% over the last five years. So when I have that kind of really strong dividend growth, I'll consider a, uh, a yield slightly below 4%. But uh, I, ultimately, I'd like to see 4%, which, as you mentioned earlier, because the dividend stocks are hot and the prices have gone up, are a little bit harder to find these days. Uh, so, you know, you need to be selective. You need to be willing to take 3, 8, 3, 9%, uh, but with good dividend growth if you can find it. So you're looking for 4%, roughly 4% minimum dividend yield, and roughly 10%, if not a little bit less, though, but something like that in dividend growth. Those are the two main things you're looking for. Is that right? At least, yeah. And, and I mean, obviously, if you can get better, uh, a better starting yield, uh, not the better, you know, that's that's gravy. Uh, but certainly, um, you, you need to, even though dividend growth is a, is a very critical component, you do need that, that good starting uh, platform um, for the yield in order to get it to hit the numbers you want it to down the road. So, where there might be some great companies out there that have, you know, two or three percent yields, uh, they're not going to get you where you want to be uh, five, ten years from now. You, you do need that that decent starting point. Now, in your book, Get Rich with Dividends, you have a whole chapter on how you can use options to supercharge this. Uh, I guess you're talking about writing uh, call options. How does that work, and how how does that make the compounding happen even faster? Well, with options, the, the one thing about uh, selling co- covered calls on dividend plays is you do need to be prepared to sell stock or take a loss on the option. Um, if, if you're not familiar with options, what happens is you're selling someone the right to buy your stock from you. So let's say we're looking at um, Intel, which is trading at uh, – let me just pull it up here. Intel is trading at about $22.50. So let's say you, you sold a call for $23 uh, for December. And you're giving somebody the right to buy stock from you at $23 in December. And the reason they would do that is because they think that the stock might be at $25 and they'll get a bargain. Um, so you sell the call, and let's say, and I'm just making these numbers up, uh, let's say you get a dollar uh, per share uh, to sell that call. So now, and, and they're sold in, in blocks of 100. So you get $100. Uh, you collect the dividend as well. Now, if Intel is not above $23 in December, you keep the $100 that you received from the option buyer, uh, and you keep the dividend, and you can just sell another call, and you can and you can continue to do this, uh, you know, quarter after quarter, or month after month, however you have your strategy. Uh, so you can really collect a decent amount of income. Now, the one thing you do have to be prepared for, if Intel is above $23 at expiration, you're either going to sell. Intel to them at $23, no matter where the stock price is. The stock could be at 30 and you're obligated to sell at 23 or you could buy back the option at a loss. Uh, but what I like about the strategy is that you, know, you cannot lose money on the option unless you decide to sell it for a loss. So if Intel goes higher, uh, you can decide you're just going to part with the stock, keep the $100, and then just go find another stock. Uh, but it's definitely a more active strategy than you know, what we were talking about earlier where you're reinvesting and, and kind of just uh, letting it go for 10 years. This is a, a much more active strategy where you're going to be on top of it. You will be watching the stock prices. Um, and uh, it's active, but you can generate some pretty significant income that way. 
Uh, and again, as long as you're you're okay with selling the stock at expiration, if if your stock gets uh, called away from you, if stock price is higher than your expiration price, uh, it's a great way of making some additional money. Um, and one other strategy that you also can do, uh, you know, again, you talked about uh, PE ratio or th- that the stocks are, are a little bit high right now because they've been hot. You can always sell puts, naked puts on these stocks. Uh, in that case, if the stock goes down, then you'll be forced to buy the stock, but you'll be buying it at a lower price. Um, on the flip side, if the stock does not go down, you're getting paid to take on that risk, and you can end up generating income without ever having bought, a, bought any stocks. I mean, stocks have been going sh- pretty much straight up uh, for a while now, and if you had just been continuously selling puts, you probably would have generated some significant income. Uh, that's, again, a much more involved strategy it's that you take on some significant risk with that, so you, you really need to know what you're doing. Uh, but selling the covered calls is, uh, I think, a little bit easier, a little bit uh, certainly easier to understand and, and a lot less risky. So you're selling puts if there's stocks you wanted to buy that you think are good dividend-raising stocks, just to buy them at lower prices. It's a way of kind of buying them in a disciplined way. And if it doesn't go down there, you just get to collect the premium income. Exactly. You're basically being uh, the insurance broker. Somebody is buying insurance that their stock price is not going to go down. Again, let's let's use Intel as an example. They own Intel at 22 and a half. It's down to, to 20, let's say 20. Uh, they'll buy the puts at $20. They're paying you, the seller, uh, the insurance premium. If the stock uh, goes down to 15, well, then they're lucky and they got out at 20. Uh, and you as the put seller have to buy it at 20. But if the stock does not go down, uh, then keep their stock and you keep their premium. So it's, you're, you're the insurance salesman and, and hoping that uh, the house doesn't catch on fire or that it doesn't, you get to, to buy it at a very cheap price. The money that you're taking in from premium income, from either selling covered calls or selling puts, you would then reinvest back into more options or into stocks? And what would you tend to do with that income? Uh, that it, well, I think every situation is going to be different for the investor. But usually, someone who is doing that is trying to generate income, as opposed to something like a reinvestment, where you're really trying to, to build large positions. Um, but if, if somebody is trying to to kind of build a portfolio of uh, of options, they they could use that income to kind of increase their size of that portfolio. But I think most people who use these strategies really do it to generate. Uh, some income that uh, you know can be used for living expenses or you know, whatever they're using their income for, but it's much more of an income-producing um, strategy than, let's say, a, a real wealth-building strategy. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. After this, we're going to get into some specific industries and maybe some specific stocks that you've liked uh, for the long term to uh, take advantage of the rising dividend strategy that you're you're talking about here. Uh, my guest this hour is Mark Lichtenfeld. Uh, he has a new book out called Get Rich with Dividends, which has a website, getrichwithdividends.com. Uh, he also works for the Oxford Club at oxfordclub.com, where he publishes a newsletter called The Ultimate Income Letter. And also there's a free newsletter called Wealthy Retirement, which you can find out about at wealthyretirement.com. We'll be back after this. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. 
Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Mark Lichtenfeld. Uh, he is the uh, editor of the Ultimate Income Letter uh, and has re- recently written a book called Get Rich with Dividends, uh, for which there's a, a website, getrichwithdividends.com. Welcome back to the show, Mark. Hi, Jordan. Thanks for having me. Okay, there are different categories. I just want to briefly go over these categories and that maybe you could name a stock or two that you would like that would be a perpetual dividend raiser. And we mentioned this briefly, but let's describe master limited partnerships, what they are, and a stock or two in that category that you would like. Sure. Well, master limited partnership, uh, it's a little bit similar to a REIT, a real estate investment trust, if a lot of people are familiar with those. But uh, there's a significant difference with a master limited partnership. uh, You're not considered a shareholder. You're actually considered a partner in the business. And there are some very significant tax consequences uh, as a result. And, And one of them is that most of the income that you receive from a master limited partnership will be tax deferred. Um, and we're talking about the dividend tax possibly going higher next year. And I think that's going to make MLPs very popular if that indeed is what happens because, you know, with a lot of these MLPs, about 90% of the dividend uh, is tax deferred. Uh, now, one thing I do want to caution people is, if they are interested in MLPs, definitely talk to their tax advisor because it can be uh, it can actually increase the cost of your tax preparation, and, and it gets a little bit complicated. So you want to understand exactly what you're to, um, and usually you don't want to put an MLP in an IRA because there can be some penalties uh, based on how much income you receive. So you definitely want to talk to a tax professional. I don't want to I don't want to scare people too much because they they really can be a terrific investment especially with this, this tax-deferred aspect to it. But you, you do want to understand what you're getting to. It's not, it's not the same as just buying any other income stock. And what would be um, the name of one or two MLPs? MLPs are, are very often in the energy industry. About 80% of them, I believe, are energy-related. So what would be the name of one or two of them you'd like today? 
Um, well, one of my favorites actually is not an energy uh, MLP. It's called Brookfield Infrastructure Partners, BIP is the symbol. And they have uh, basically these infrastructure projects all over the world. They own things like uh, you know, shipping ports in Australia, railroads. They own electricity transmission lines in South America. They own uh, they own things in Europe. Uh, just, I mean, they own a courthouse in London, uh, all kinds of things. And so if you, you do think that uh, eventually we're going to have a, a meaningful recovery, they're going to take a, a, a significant or participate in a, in a significant way. Uh, they've been raising the dividend for uh, for I believe five years now. They currently yield four point three percent. They've been raising the dividend, um, and it's one I really really like, uh, especially considering, like I said, so many other ones are in the energy industry, and so it's kind of a way to diversify even within the MLP category. And how about one in the energy industry, the MLP area? Uh, another one we like is Williams Partners, WPZ, and that has a nice 6.1% yield. So that's a, a pretty strong yield. Um, and again, you know, with, with most of that being tax deferred, uh, that's, that's a, you know, a wonderful yield right now. Okay. Another area you like are REITs, real estate investment trusts. Maybe describe how those work and what are two REITs that you would like. Sure. Well, real estate investment trusts, uh, are companies that invest in real estate and, they do not pay corporate tax as long as they pay um, 90% or more of their net income in the form of dividends. Now, these are taxable dividends for the investor, but the, the corporate is not paying in tax. And that's they, their dividend yields tend to be a little bit higher than your average stock because paying out all those uh, in dividends. Um, and one thing I should mention uh, with MLPs and with, with the REITs, too, you know, we were talking about payout ratio earlier. That 75% threshold obviously does not uh, does not count uh, when you're looking at a REIT or an MLP because they have to pay the 90%. So, you know, when you if you're if you're doing your analysis and you see that they're up at a, at 100%, you know, don't don't worry. They're they're supposed to be that high. Um, and so, uh, one of the REITs that I really like, I think, is is very interesting, and I think very misunderstood is Omega Healthcare Investors (OHI). Um, it has a 7% yield, and what I like about this company is that they are the landlords for nursing homes. And nursing homes have been very beat up. They're very unpopular right now because of cuts in Medicare. They took an 11% cut last year in reimbursements uh, from the government, and there could be more down the road. It's, it's, it's an industry that has people very, very scared. But Omega doesn't run the nursing homes. They're just the landlords. Uh, and so as long as these nursing homes are going to continue to pay to continue to operate, they're going to pay their rent, and, uh, and so far they have been. They really haven't suffered, uh, you know, any any defaults. Uh, they have a, a very strong portfolio. It's very diverse, and, uh, and I think it's just a very misunderstood company within the healthcare REIT section. Another area you like are what are called BDCs or business development companies. Describe mm -hmm. what they're about and a name or two there. Sure. Uh, well, BDCs are really interesting. It's it's almost the way the average investor can get involved with private equity. Uh, you know, we know there's a lot of money to be made in private equity if you're in the right companies, um, and, and a BDC is, is basically a, a publicly traded firm that invests in private companies. And, you know, most of them are, are startups uh, or, or companies that are maybe a little further along but need a little bit of help. Um, and uh, and same thing as as with REITs and MLPs, they pay out a significant portion of their income in the form of dividends, so their dividend yields tend to be higher. 
Um, and so my favorite BDC right now is called Main Street Capital, M-A-I-N is the symbol. Uh, has a 6.1% yield, and it's, it's a very diverse set of businesses. There, there are some BDCs that might invest in technology, uh, some that might invest in energy, but Main Street is just across the board. I mean, they have everything from a chain of pizzerias to, you know, all kinds of industrial products and uh, some technology. Um, and also what I like about them is, is their investments, for the most part, are not all equity investments. They do a lot of loans, so they are getting that income stream. Uh, and, and sometimes these loans convert to equity, sometimes they don't. But it's not all, you know, it's not all an equity investment where they have to wait for some kind of exit strategy or payoff. Uh, you know, there is that income stream coming in from the loan. So um, that, that's that's my favorite BDC right now. Another area is preferred stocks. Uh, what are the advantages of preferred over doing the common? And what would be a, a, an example of a preferred you might like? Well, preferreds, you are higher up on the pecking order in case things go horribly wrong. So if a company uh, were, let's say, to, to go bankrupt, uh, the bondholders would be first in line, then the preferreds, then the uh, then the common stock. Um, also with preferreds, if uh, the preferred will always get paid the dividend first before the common. And many preferreds are what they call cumulative. So if the company had to stop paying the dividend, the preferreds, continue to accumulate. So let's say you have a preferred that pays uh, $0.25 cents a quarter uh, for, or a dollar a year, and they stop paying for two quarters. Before the company could pay the common shareholders anything, they would then have to pay the preferred shareholders the $0.50 cents of the missed two quarters and then their next dividend. Uh, so you're just higher up in the pecking order. Um, one of the disadvantages, though, the stocks typically don't move as much as the uh, as the common stocks, as far as capital appreciation, um, that can be that can be good, you know, when, during a bear market too. Um, although we did see preferreds of uh, some of the bank institutions just get crushed in 2008, but many of them came back very strongly as well. But they, they tend to be in normal times; they tend to be less volatile than the commons. Uh, but their their dividends are also tend to be higher. Um, what would be an example of your favorites? Yeah, one I just recommended is the preferred of uh, SL, uh, SL, uh, SLG Realty. Um, uh, sorry, SL Green Realty. SLG is the symbol. Um, they are the uh, they're a REIT actually. It's a, so it's a preferred of a REIT. The REIT only pays one point three percent, but the preferred pays uh, preferred pays six point four percent, and. What I like about this company is they operate office space in Manhattan, and Manhattan uh, is is a very hot job market right now, and corporate real estate and, and rents are tied directly to jobs, and so Manhattan has has captured 129% of the jobs that were lost in 2008, so they're actually ahead of where they were during the recession, and so rents are going higher. Uh, they just signed uh, Viacom, re-signed Viacom for their corporate headquarters uh, for one of the largest uh, rental agreements ever in Manhattan history. Uh, so, you know, this is a, a company where in a great market uh, with a strong dividend yield, and um, and the preferred is fairly new. It just came out in August. And so what we've been seeing with preferred, the, the prices have, have gone pretty high. They, they're trading at a premium uh, because of their strong yields. Uh, SL Green has not had a chance yet to appreciate that much. There's, it's a little bit of a premium a little bit higher than when we recommended it. Uh, but, it, you know, you have a lot of preferreds with yields of over 6% trading above $26. Uh, 
uh, where par, where they went public at, is 25. SL Green right now is trading just a little over 25. So I like the fact that it's, it's not uh, as, as overpriced as most of the other stocks in its category. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Mark Lichtenfeld. Uh, his newsletter is called uh, The Ultimate Income uh, Letter. Uh, he also has a book out called Get Rich with Dividends, and you can also find out about him at theoxfordclub.com. Uh, you can see there's lots of ways to grow your money very quietly and uh, compound your money over the long term uh, with companies that raise their dividends. So thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, Mark. Thanks so much for having me. And we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.